Greetings, football fans, and welcome to Season 2 of the CBFA Podcast. I'm your host, James Parks. Each week, I'll be joined by one or more of the field announcers to discuss all the action from Shoalice Park. It's the Calgary Bantam Football Association Podcast, and it starts now! Well, welcome to Season 2 of the CBFA Podcast. Yeah. Um, were, were you able to... Uh, uh, see any of the week one action? I was doing the first three games until uh, I was actually going to do all four until we got the uh, weather delay that ended up canceling everything. Yeah, that was some pretty brutal weather. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really ideal, and a bit of a story out of that one too. So the the makeup dates for those postponed games are posted on the website now. Uh, you can go check those out at cbfa.ab.ca slash schedule. Um, Monday, their Monday games is that's when they could. Uh, they had they had some field time, so they were able to put it to good use. Um, week two. Week two, we had some uh, pretty good games. We uh, did. It was a very interesting start to the morning. Yeah, on on uh, on Saturday morning. Yeah. 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 I missed I missed Thursday's games. You'll have to you'll have to do go over those ones. Oh, uh, Thursday's games was uh, uh, notable um, mainly because uh, I I was I was announcing those games the first time I. I actually was in the booth. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I did a very good job, but um, yeah, uh, it happened. Anyways, uh, the games themselves weren't very competitive, um, although uh, there were uh, some definitely some notable um, notable uh, performances uh, from the Mavericks. Uh, they beat the um or sorry Mavericks lost to the Hilltoppers the Hilltoppers beat them 56 16 um wow. the uh the Mavericks number 88 Brody Brasser and uh number 34 Ahmed Alkayat each scored for the Mavericks um and they had a a really strong game from uh number 25 Lyndon Agnamar and he was chosen as the the Mavericks player of the game, but the Hilltoppers, uh, number twenty Shaylin Frey, and number thirty four Sarani Brown, each scored three TDs. Uh, Brown was selected as our player of the game, but we're pretty sure Shaylin will get his chance pretty soon. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, one of the uh, outstanding plays of that uh, brown scampered for 80 yards on one of his touchdowns it was it was nice some some nice moves there for sure yeah those two teams were both affected by um the weather delay the weekend before in week one um because hilltoppers didn't even get to play their game they were the fourth game up on hellard um and then the mavericks lions game was postponed in the middle of well actually they stopped it at halftime um and that was actually i don't know when they stopped that one i wasn't that was at that was over on field eight because i had st peter's eagles at hellard right um from the information uh i was given uh they're they're gonna play out half of football to complete that game uh, and right now they have the Lions leading the Mavericks eight to nothing. So the uh, the makeup date for that is Monday, September twenty sixth at eight p.m. Uh, there'll be uh, a game at six p.m. Um, uh, that'll be Bulldogs Wildcats. So that's when uh, that game gets made up. The previous Monday, the the second half of the Eagles and Stampeders game. Be yeah, that was that was an interesting end to um that game because it was when they were participating, like when they were doing the game, and it was like it started raining sideways essentially. Um, and you could tell there was lightning in the area because we could see it over towards the children's hospital. 
I couldn't really see behind us in the booth. Um, but they're like, okay, we got a minute to go in the half. Let's play it out, get to halftime, and then we'll see what the weather's going to be like. So they do it, or they, they try to proceed with the play, and then both teams' coaches decide they're each going to call a pair of timeouts within the last minute. And it's like, can you guys just not? Like, I know you have issues on the field right now, and you, you want to fix those things, but your players are getting absolutely drenched. The fans aren't even in the crowd any, or in the bleachers anymore because they're seeking shelter from how heavy this rain is. Wow. And we just want to get off the field. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine up in the booth, you know, because I'm completely sheltered, but it's like, I feel so bad for these kids. So it took forever to get the last minute done. And then, it, you know, we got into the weather delay and it was just the rain was nonstop. Yeah. It was, it was a rough one. So, yeah, they'll play the second half of that game on Monday, September 19th at 8 p.m. And uh, the 6 p.m. game that day uh, will be Hilltoppers Rebels. Again, that'll be 6 p.m. Monday, September 19th. Yeah, the other Thursday night game, we're bouncing back and forth between week one and two. But, uh, first podcast of the year, we're, we're catching up on both. So we might as well kind of just tell it how it happens to spill around. All right. That's the so, fun of it. <laughs> the Cowboys uh, really had their way with the Lions. It was it was all Cowboys. The final score is 54 to nothing. Um. So yeah, with uh, with the Lions not not able to to do anything, you can credit the Cowboys' defense for that. Uh, but the one bright spot on the Lions' team was uh, safety number thirty two, George Sheldon. He was constantly on the ball on pretty much every play, making tackles, making um, making maybe not stopping the first down, but he was stopping the touchdown from happening. So. Uh, he was he was uh, the one bright spot for the Lions. Um, but on the Cowboys' side, number 21, D'Angelo Spence, and number 23, Marcus Chu, each scored twice for the Cowboys. And number 20, Takumi Chiron, and number 88, Will Sladek, and number 34, Xander Odenio, each added a score for the Cowboys. Uh, Odenio was particularly uh, strong. Uh, in that game, so he was selected as our player of the game. She looked strong in week one as well for uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, they uh, they came up a little short against the Raiders, didn't they? Uh, yeah, 26-16. Right. Yeah, the other the other game uh that was able to finish on on the week one was uh Colts big over the Chiefs 62 to 31. I have notes somewhere. Um was it 62 because I have 42. 42? Oh it could have been the way it was written on the board. <laughs> I have 42. I don't know. 42? Okay. I'll adjust the website then. Uh, let's let's call it 42. You um, actually there and I wasn't. So I was there and I have notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's trust your notes then. Yeah. Um, yeah number 19 on the Colts, uh, Nash Mazar. I'm hoping I'm saying that last name right. I've been calling two games with him already. He had a he had a game for that first game. You know, there's plays where there's, you know, tiptoeing up the sideline type thing, trying to get his team the first downs and stuff. He ended up getting a couple. I think he got one, at least one rushing touchdown. He had a couple passing touchdowns. Um, but the Colts were just all over. And they had a couple interceptions and stuff. Nice. And just the. Readers could, or sorry, the Chiefs just couldn't really get a whole lot going. No, and then they had a rushing touch, pair of rushing touchdowns. They had a 72 yard rushing touchdown um, from 17. No, um, their quarterback. So again, it was a quarterback show. Um, and they had a kickoff return for a touchdown as well. 
I think they ended up getting one of those this week as well. If I remember correctly. Yes, they did. Because I we'll we'll get back to that one. I remember they did. <laughs> um yeah, no, it was it was a strong performance from the Colts for for week one, and it didn't really correlate into into week two, but the Bulldogs again were one of those teams that didn't really have a game. They got their game postponed in week one, so we don't really know how they are up until well, we didn't know how they were until up until this week's game. Yeah. Oh, where are we here? Okay, so um, that Colts Bulldogs game was the the final game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the other thing, just yeah. want to circle back to the Cowboys. Sure. Um, over the summer, we lost uh, Mr. Don Bolton. That's right. Yeah, he would have been. It would have been his thirty-fifth year with the uh, Col- or the Cowboys organization. Um, so, and we know. I know we did a moment of silence for him during their first game. Um, yeah, someone that will surely be missed throughout. End of football in the Cowboys organization. Absolutely, it's it's strange uh, seeing the Cowboys and and not seeing Don down on the field. We'll miss him. Yeah. Um, moving on from the somber note. Um, continuing week two, I guess. Sure. Saturday morning, the smoky morning over at Field Eight. Uh, that would be, uh, Stampeders 46 chiefs 24. Yes. That game started in a fashion of football, that I don't think I've ever seen. And I'm not sure I will ever see again. Um, what was it? The Stampeder? Yeah. The Stampeders, the first two kickoffs that they did of the game, they recovered. Yeah, that was odd. Um, it's uh, just it's, the one of the, the, the kids he just gonna let it drop beside him and it's rare to see like an onside kick successful. It's rare extremely rare to see two successful in one game. Yeah. But they weren't even onside kicks that they were. <laughs> no. No, they weren't. And you know, Stan Peters just, you know, got those two early onside kicks and they just rolled rolled with momentum. And it wasn't until yeah. late that the Chiefs started to to really answer back. That's right. Yeah. And then we, well, I say we, <laughs> we have an argument between, between the people choosing the uh, player of the game for that one. <laughs> there was, there was a lot of strong choices. Um, don't get me wrong. There's always a lot of strong choices every, every week for, for players of the game, but uh, we ended up giving it to number on, where's my, where's my papers? This one, this one. Not that one. I don't know what papers are which anymore. That one's that last week. This one. Yeah, so there's the Stan Peters. We ended up giving it to Aiden Johnson. He had three, no, yeah, three fumble recoveries and then a massive kickoff return or was a punt return touchdown. Yeah, that's right. It was almost the full length of the field, like 105 yards. Yeah, it was. It was, and you know, uh, there were some really incredible offensive performances. But uh, yeah, that that uh, that long long return was definitely the the icing on the cake for Johnson. Well, and even then, he was especially he was, early in the game. I noticed that he was all over the field making tackles left, right, and center for uh for the Stampeders. Yeah. So he'll definitely be one to watch later in the season for sure. But yeah, it was for for a defensive performance, you know, I'm I'm definitely an offensive minded person myself, but it's that was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That really those plays particularly turned the tide of that game, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a definitely an interesting start, and then things kind of flip flop. Chiefs kind of look stronger in the second half, definitely. 
Um, yeah, they they definitely came on in the second half. Yeah, managed to put up a couple points late, but uh, yeah. unfortunately for them, not quite enough. No, uh, they'll fall zero and two to start of the season. Yeah, um, and then we had the confusing game for me at least uh, for the second game. <laughs> Raiders forty one, Rebels zero. Um, yeah, we weren't. Uh, there was a little confusion as to which team was was wearing the dark colors and which was in light. And of course, they both start with an R. So it's there's Just, yeah. confusion range supreme for the first uh, 30 seconds or so. The issue stemmed. I mean, it. I'll, I'll take full responsibility for that. The issue stemmed because I went over to prior to the game to get the rosters to take back up to the announcer booth. And I looked at the team on, well, I guess from the booth side over the right side, the right side from the score guys from your guys' perspective would be the left-hand side. Um, one of the coaches shirts said, I think it was Raiders, but it was on that side. And that's where the confusion came. Uh-huh. So I saw the shirt and went, okay, that's this team. But then it ended up being flipped for some reason. Yeah. And so that's where everything, that's where the f- initial confusion came. And I, Fortunately for me, I wasn't announcing that game. We did um, we did have a new announcer for that one. Um, but I will not lie to you. I, by the end of the game, I still had no idea which team was which. <laughs> <laughs> I was spotting and I was calling numbers and I have no idea which team was which. <laughs> well, um, for the Raiders, uh, number 24, Jaden Barker uh, had a couple of touchdowns and uh, uh, number 38 Zachary Grant had a 90 yard punt return I yeah. think um, number 12 the uh, uh, Matias Pisa uh, was the kicker he he hit a 25 yard field goal as well as four converts yeah and I and, a, he also, and he also and he also caught a touchdown pass yeah so he had a really good game the Rebels had a tough, tough game. Um, uh, there were a couple of players that played pretty well. Um, number nine, Ephraim Fisher, and number 34, Peyton Ormandy, um, in particular, had pretty good games. But uh, overall, it was it was a tough day for the Rebels. Yeah. A strong start to the season for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, they they are looking like uh, they're they're looking for Division One supremacy. Two very early dominant wins. Then we had, I think, I don't want to say it was hundred percent certain, but probably the match of the week, in my opinion. Oh, uh, Wildcats and Eagles! It was the game of the week, hands down. What a game it was. So yeah. close. It was very uh, close. Came down to a missed uh convert. Yeah. That was that was the, the difference. It was fairly back and forth pretty much throughout the entire thing. Like you wouldn't really know who won. I don't off the top of my head, I don't remember um the exact scoreline of who scored first and whatnot. I think you have that in front of you. I'm not sure. Uh I've got a somewhere somewhere we have the it. game sheet somewhere yeah um yeah it was it was fairly back and forth one team would score the other team would score and it was you know who's gonna take it next but yeah and then um yeah that one missed convert yeah bites you in the end it was back and forth and uh each team had a chance to win and um it came down to some clock management at the end. That too. The, uh, the time running out, there was there was a um, bit of a conversation uh, on the timers bench about um, you know how long the play clock should run for. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, so it it ran a a good long time, and uh, I think it went from thirty seconds down to five um, before uh, before the uh, the Wildcats had to take a penalty. They were trying to run around on that third down to avoid giving up the ball. 
mm. um, which they eventually did to to seal the victory. But yeah. uh, it was it was that close. It was a very close game. Yeah, it was it was very exciting for even you know even if you lose that game, it was still a fairly yeah. exciting game throughout. But yeah, I think those those two teams will be, you know, fighting for uh, Division One championship at the end of the season too, along with the Raiders. One hundred percent. And yeah, it was again one of those games where you could pick a handful of individual performances to get player of the game because everyone's pitching in type thing, offense and defense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we had our final game of the week, which we didn't really know how was how it was going to go. My yeah. prediction prior to the game was it was either going to be a barn burner or a blowout. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it I guess all games can be barn burners or blowouts, but uh, it turned out though that the Bulldogs ended up making it, um, you know, look pretty dominant. But it mm-hmm. was uh, it was a well fought game on on both sides. The final score was thirty to eight Bulldogs. Yeah, uh, but the Colts were, you know, um, they they weren't they didn't seem like they were really you know outperformed. Um, no, I, I think, think it. I think they were outplayed to a certain extent, but but they you know they weren't embarrassed by any means. No, they they moved the ball well, but I think the issue for the Colts more at the end wasn't. Um, yeah, like being up with the Bulldogs. I think it was more of self-inflicted errors, because especially in the passing game, actually, just even out of the out of the backfield in general, the amount of times I noticed that they had issues holding onto the ball, and the quarterback would throw it to a receiver, hit the hands, fall to the ground. They would try to do a handoff, it would hit the ground. They didn't. They didn't. They got away with a lot of fumbles that they were able to recover on their own, but they also did fumble it a fair amount. That they did lose. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe things to work on. I didn't. I don't. They didn't look that. You know, butterfingery in week one. So I'm not sure why there was as many you know game jitters in week two. Yeah. I mean, you know, those two teams are I guess South rivals, but True. It, was, it was weird. Hard to say. Week to week, things can. Things can change drastically. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how you know everyone can progress and adapt things. Right. So yeah, coming up this Saturday, um, in the uh, the early game, we've got the the Chiefs at the Bulldogs. Um. That's followed by uh, Cowboys at Rebels. Those should be, uh, well, we would expect the Bulldogs and the Cowboys to win those games. But um, uh, the Chiefs, they could surprise. And, and we're always hoping the Rebels will will turn the well, corner somehow. Yeah. And I think if you're the Chiefs, I think if you look at how you finished your game in week two against the Stampeders, you build on that. That's true. You go, yeah. okay, yes, we... We didn't have a great start. Our start really hindered us throughout the entire game, but the way they finished off, especially the second half, and played through the entire second half, like I think they outscored the Stampeders in the second half really and really. Um so you build on that, you know, you you know, you really and truly just look to you know build on that momentum and just improve throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh I think they can they can do that, and they can surprise some teams. Some sometimes, maybe this Saturday, we'll, we'll hey, find out. Uh, in the afternoon at Hellard, uh, Stampeders at Wildcats should be an interesting game. That should be, yeah, a very interesting game. Um, Wildcats one and yeah, one and zero, oh. one and zero. Oh. Yeah, uh, they're uh, they're gonna have. St. Peter's are also one and up with a half game played. <laughs> that's right. And and yeah, that's that's gonna be a tough week for those two because they'll play on Saturday and then, you know, quick turnaround, they'll have to play again on the following Monday and then play again the following Saturday. 
it's going to be a tough week for for those teams. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, no, the makeup's, and then the, over it. the makeup's the 19th. So they play Saturday. No, it's it's week four that they play the, the short turnaround. Yeah. Because week four is the 17th. Yeah, so they'll play the 17th and then the 19th and then... Yeah, the so it won't be it won't be this week coming up. It'll be the following week. That's right. Yeah. 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 And then uh, over field eight... Uh, 1 p.m. Eagles at Colts. Uh, the Eagles have looked really strong so far in their game and a half. Uh, they came up short against the Wildcats, but uh, uh, again, they're they're one of the top teams in in the CBFA. Well, um, and yeah, if you look at their Week One game against the San Peters, it was similar to the Wildcats Eagles game, where it was kind of really back and forth. Yeah, um, and yeah, that one finished. At the half, it was six nothing. Yeah, like both te- I guess you know, both teams' offenses didn't like the greatest at times. They weren't really moving the ball at certain times, but it's those you know those Stampeders and Eagles are fairly evenly matched, so it could hopefully transition to you know yeah. Stampeders Wildcats also being fairly evenly matched. That's right. That's a good point. So yeah, those are that's that's four teams there looking to be at the top of the table. Um, and then uh, at three o'clock, uh, Hellard Field, the Lions at Hilltoppers. Uh, the Hilltoppers. Uh, I haven't seen the Hilltoppers yet. Well, uh, what I've seen uh, has been very impressive. Um, I, I expect the Hilltoppers to, to have a strong game. Um, hopefully, the, the Lions can, you know, play some strong, uh, some strong defense and, and maybe, uh, Maybe get some turnovers, keep it close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, to round out the week uh, at Field Eight, three o'clock, the Raiders at the Mavericks. Uh, again, the the Raiders are probably favored in that one. Uh, after Mavericks, after week two results, I would yeah probably say so. Yeah, yeah, the Mavericks have uh, looked like they they uh, they're. They're struggling a little bit on uh, on their well offense and defense and special teams and yeah they're I I think they're uh, they're working on some things and hopefully they can start putting it together. And again, one of those teams I haven't seen yet because they're over on field eight for uh, week one and then you had them on Thursday night. That's right. I'm not going to see them again. I don't think. I don't know if I'm going to be at Field or Hillard on for Week Three. Well, yeah, um, it looks like you're you're set up to be at Hillard with with Grant. So we'll see how it goes. Hillard's fun. I missed Hillard last week. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a much nicer stadium to play in and to call games from. I mean, it was a nice. It sound everything sounded nice on on Saturday this week. Yes, well, we can thank Jim Kershane for that. Um, with the the new dome that they've finally erected uh, out at Shoalice over in Canna Field, um, I guess the the sound system uh, it wasn't going to be repurposed over there. Uh, they weren't going to set it up inside the dome, and of course the the poles for the the speakers are outside the dome, so. Jim took the sound system from Encana Field and brought it over to Field 8. So the sound has much improved over at Field 8. You are not imagining things. Thanks, so Jim. Thank you very much. What are they doing much. for sound over at Encana, then? Uh, I don't know that they're doing anything. Um, like, I uh, hope they're having sound in there. I, I, I don't know that they're actually going to be having um, like actual games in there. Uh, soccer you can do and football is a little harder there's you know no uprights um, hard to kick field goals inside the dome yeah so, so I thought the whole purpose of the, the new dome was for football well it was it was supposed to be a lot of things I think um, 
Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of of disappointment that it it isn't everything that we were hoping it would be, but uh, I think it's still got a lot of benefits that um, will benefit a lot of different groups, including us, as I think we can still use it for, you know, cold weather practices and run throughs and things like that. Um, you know, it's it still, you know, gets gets kids and and athletes out of the worst of the winter weather when things yeah. get really cold yeah so and and i think we knew all along that that uh we weren't going to be the only ones to benefit from it anyway so no we were going to be the the sole uh the sole tenant or or something like that so i think uh I think it's it's nice. It it'd be nice to to get a look inside and see uh, see exactly yeah, what I, I thought we I thought we'd be able to set up. I thought we'd be able to do games and stuff in there for sure. I I think you you probably could in a pinch. Um, I think you could you know hang something from the ceiling, uh, you know, a la indoor football, arena football kind of thing. Have some mm-hmm. some netting or something that you could you could kick it into. Um. So I I think there's possibilities. Uh, yeah. There's the other the other drawback is is that there's you know there's no bleachers or seating for for fans. Um. It doesn't it doesn't cover the bleachers. So you know if you're going to have a game in there, uh, hopefully you've got some cameras you can capture the action with. But. Uh, it really um, just not gonna makes it seem for, like it was a real missed sidelines. opportunity. Well, and yeah, these these things happen. You in order to get it done, you gotta sacrifice some of your some of your um, you know would like to haves in in favor of you know some must haves. So there's no, always anyway. that kind of give and take when when you're dealing with the city, hey. Yeah, to me, to me, it just seems, you know, especially with you get like the high school scheduling and stuff. You're you're trying to pack or pack three, three leagues into two fields now, and try to get everything done at night. And, you know, there's other things that want to use the fields and stuff, and it's yeah, not not ideal when you're you're sacrificing one of your your fields for something that you would think would benefit this especially in the winter time when it's cold yeah um i i would have thought that the dome would have been better positioned where field eight is yeah then it's highly visible right along 16th avenue um you know you're you're not sacrificing one of the nice turf surfaces uh you can course the you know the grass is going to die whatever you can you can then put uh, a rudimentary turf under there but yeah i i agree there there was a bit of a missed opportunity there but uh it is what it is and and uh we'll just have to try and and benefit from it as much as we can as an organization yeah 100 percent i'll just see because it's not even open yet is it I don't think so. Uh, I I've talked to a few people and uh, nobody has had a chance to to get a peek inside yet. So the mystery dome, the mystery dome. Yeah, should we'll, just call it the mystery dome from now on until it opens <laughs> up. Well, the city's put its own branding all over it, so not much of a mystery there. It's, well, as to what's city, inside, city of Calgary, dome, dome. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Oh, it's good I that football's I'm, back. It's nice to have football back. Yeah. One of these uh things you kinda look forward to all summer. And then uh yeah, the football football starts and the weather starts to turn. Speaking of things over the summer with football, we actually had our first um Bantam Women's League over the summer. Yes. It That's was a six v six league. I got to help out with doing broadcasting for that as well, or the in-house announcing for that as well. Um, nice. It's good to finally have that in Calgary. Yes, and um, uh, we are uh, 
always looking to to promote more of that so uh i believe that was uh kind of a, a late spring type uh league yeah right and i didn't didn't have a very long season i think it was like six weeks max um yeah it was a it was a kind of a, a kind of a late start to a late spring thing as well so numbers weren't right you know necessarily where they wanted them to be which is kind of i think why they faulted back to a 6v6 yeah but it's you know it's somewhere to start it's somewhere to start and um and I believe they uh, there was a couple of teams in Calgary and a couple in Edmonton or Calgary and area and um, Edmonton area. So they did a bit of traveling back and forth. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I know Airdrie brought down a team. Um, but yeah, I think there were I think there were teams coming in from from outside of Calgary. Right. Oh, stop me out. I just can't remember. Well, um, I'm going to have to get Melissa Roth on to talk about that and so many other different things. Yes, we should. Yeah. Because, yeah, growing, growing that's going to be very important, especially as soon as they're, you know, those. The main reason for them doing it is because, you know, you look at the Raiders or the Raiders. Is it the Raiders? No. The Rep. No. What is it? The Rage. Rage. I knew it started with an R. Um, <laughs> the, the Rage football team has had like no. Um, no, no, no previous developments or, yeah, no grassroots. No yeah, developmental you players. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. No, no one playing football prior or hardly anybody playing football prior to the rage until until this point right. in time so, so they're trying to they're trying to build that so they can have you know more women and girls interested you yeah. know hopefully playing on the rage in the future right yeah grow grow that grassroots system absolutely because you know we have you know colts and high school and dinos and stampeders and stuff to look up to yeah um yeah those opportunities aren't necessarily there for for everyone and hopefully that'll change in a few years hopefully because we see it in the other sports so why not football <laughs> <laughs> that's right why not football okay and on that note thanks cole uh Appreciate you joining me tonight and um, uh, look forward to this coming out uh, in a, a couple of days. I do have a, a quick uh, interview lined up with Mr. Greg Wilson, the coach of the Wildcats tomorrow. So I'll uh, tag that on to the end. And uh, Sounds uh, good. It, so thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, enjoy uh, this conversation with Greg. Thank God you said recording in progress. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, James? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Awesome. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast, Greg. Um, we have with us today Coach Greg Welcome. Wilson of the Wildcats. And, um, yeah, you're you're the first coach to join the uh, the podcast. So thank you for doing this and breaking the ice for all the other coaches that I hope to corner at some point during the season. No problem. I hope I do well. <laughs> so uh, Saturday, uh, impressive win versus the the Eagles there, sixteen to fourteen. Um, give us a rundown of the game from your perspective. What worked well, and and what uh, what do you think needs work? Well, we, um, as you know, we lost to the Eagles in the Division Two City Final last season, so. Um, we were pretty geared up for the game, and um, Tim's done a great job. Coach Henderson has done a great job um, basically building that program over the last few years, and um, we were expecting a very challenging game. Um, I had a couple question marks going into the game, and we all shared them on our coaching staff. We weren't really sure what our offensive line 
was going to be able to deliver. But as it turned out, the offensive line did extremely well. And uh, we were able, especially in the passing game, we were able to complete some, some balls downfield. And our passing attack has been very good throughout training camp. And then later in the game, we were able to run the ball quite effectively inside. Um, and kudos to the offensive line for that too, and the determination of our running backs. So I, I think that made a huge difference in the game. Um, I think we won the kicking game battle. Uh, uh, quite frankly, you know, the game really came down to, I believe we, I haven't really counted them, but uh, we had less turnovers than the Eagles did. Uh, I think they, the Eagles had several turnovers on downs and we had an interception and, and one turnover on downs or something. But And then we were able to make both our converts. And unfortunately for the Eagles, they weren't be able to make both their converts. And hence the game just came down to that. It was a really good game. I was very proud of the team and how we battled through adversity in that game and were able to pull out a win against a, a pretty good Eagles team. Yeah, it was certainly uh, an entertaining game to watch from from a fan standpoint. Um, have you seen any any of your players start to emerge as as team leaders? Uh, oh. Is there anyone that that might uh, get some early consideration for the selects? Oh, definitely. I think we saw. Um, in the game, we saw our quarterback, Jackson Martell, uh, with a lot of poise in the pocket. And um, he likes to run with the ball, maybe a little too much for, for my liking. But uh, um, but he has been on point all training camp. He's throwing, throwing strikes out there. And then a new emerging receiver, uh, Shane Rennie, who was number 82 in the game. Uh, uh, Jackson was number nine. Shane Rennie uh, made a couple of great catches, had a couple of touchdowns, I believe. And... Uh, uh, the two touchdowns. Um, so I would say that they're in the front runner also as far as getting an opportunity to uh, to try out for selects. I would say another one on offense or two would be our tailback Diego de Dominicis and our fullback Sam Sebastian Alatori. Um, and uh, our defensive backs are pretty strong. I think we've got a couple that, that would have a chance to uh, to compete for a position. And uh, I would say Owen Ellis and Cody Juden are right in there at that point. And Latha Boots has a really good linebacker um, season as, as well as Jackson Gagnon. Um, that would be right now, that's who I'm seeing emerging as potential. I know Dan's been asking for those names, so I'll have to get them something <laughs> in the near future. Good stuff. Um, yeah, we, week one was was uh, tough. We We haven't seen weather like that uh during gameplay in, in quite a while uh your your game versus the bulldogs was postponed until monday september 26 6 p.m um that's going to be your second game in three days what kind of challenges does that present well there's a couple of challenges uh yeah that was the first time in all like 23 years of coaching that that's happened so um there's a couple of challenges and I know we had a lot of, cons- we have a lot of concerned uh, parents and coaches. I just, I, I try to remind them that, you know, and, and they wouldn't know obviously, but in 2003, we played our first four games in 11 days. Wow. Uh, it's not the way you want to do it. It's a very, very tough battle for, to get the practicing in the recovery, the game planning. Um, we did win all four of those games that year. We ended up being in the provincial championship. I don't think we're going to have as much of a challenge as, as maybe some other teams will. Um, but the challenges that are presented is we are now in a three practice week. Uh, we practice Tuesday through Thursday, and then we're going to play Sunday and Monday and practice Tuesday through Thursday. And in all likelihood, we'll have to have a walkthrough practice on Friday to get ready for that Saturday game. So what it comes down to is in a school week, that's, that's tough slugging and we're probably going to have to be more flexible with our players and families um, if they need to get a little bit more time in the books and everything. And obviously remind the players about not wasting any time as well. Um, As far as physically doing it, uh, we'll have to, let's see, that's the 26th or games on the 24th. So that week of the 19th, we'll basically be game planning for two games. Yeah. And, um, and that'll be a little extra film work, a little extra work for the coaches and um, and, it, and then the players, of course. Um, I don't know if we need to have an extra practice that week. We'll just go in and play the two games and uh, 
Sunday will be a heavy, quick review day uh, for the Bulldogs game. So quite frankly, it's just adversity, and I, I look forward to it. It comes with the territory. Absolutely. Uh, how long have you been coaching in the CBFA? I started coaching in the CBFA as a defensive coordinator in 2001. Um, prior to that, I had coached um, two seasons with the Pee Wee uh, League with the Wildcats. And um, uh, in 2002, I started head coaching with the Wildcats Panthers. Impressive. That's uh, 20 years right. behind the bench. Talking to, talking to somebody the other day, some, a couple of my uh, colleagues at the Wildcats, um, this year is the 40th team that I will have coached for the Wildcats. So... Wow. Um, when I when you when I wrote all that down, when I started calculating that the other night, I went, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a lot of football. Yeah, it's a um, lot of fun. A lot of friends over the years, great coaches, great kids, great families. You bet. Uh and the Wildcats have managed uh, to sustain success over a number of years. How how can you uh how do you, how do you manage to do that when basically your entire roster turns over every three years. Well, you try to, as far as the roster goes, you, you try to have a 50, 50, like for instance, if I have, if I could have 20 grade eights and 20 grade nines on every Bantam roster, that's ideal. Like if you get into the cycle where you only have uh, grade nines one year and grade eights the next year, it, it's just a, a big cycle. Uh, you've got to be able to coach and develop players in that environment. Um, as far as the Wildcats, where it comes from, I think it starts the foundation of our program. Uh, we've got a, a, a very solid um, board of directors. A lot of them I've worked with for 10, 15 years. Uh, Craig Reardon's the only one that's a little longer in the tooth than I have been, than I am as far as how long he's been in the organization. And uh, we've got great leadership uh, on our board that, takes care of a lot of the busy work that you have to do as a coach, as a program. And I think the coaches um, in that respect get to focus a lot more on football operations than the small, than the not small stuff, but the soft stuff like registrations, concussion testing, all that stuff. And I do the equipment for the club as well. So I think it really starts with the board of directors and my colleagues there that, uh, run the program per se and, and keep it, keep it shined up. And then of course, all the great coaches that we've had passed through, through the years. And some of them have been with the club for a long, long time. It's assistant coaches are uh, worth their weight in gold. Sure. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you'd, uh, you'd like to to talk about with uh, the Wildcats themselves or, or the CBFA or, or anything at all? Well, uh, you know, a couple of our players uh, on our nine on nine team were out. Several of them were out watching with us the other day, and they were asking questions, a lot of questions about the game and why did we get two points when we just kicked a convert? And I told them, well, that's what the strength of this league is. We promote kicking game, and you you get two points because you've taken the time to practice and kick converts and practiced it a lot, and so you can do it. The reality is if you can't do that in this league, it's going to hurt you on, on the scoreboard. Um, so as far as the CBFA goes, I couldn't be happier coaching in any other league than in any, any, any other league. That's one of the reasons the development aspect of the, of the league, the little guy gets a chance to play football. Um, and uh, because of the weight restrictions and stuff on offense. So you end up with having a wide variety of sizes and shapes, and uh, everybody has a spot on the team that they can uh, go out and uh, get a chance to succeed and learn. And so as far as the, the CBFA goes, I think uh, it's a tremendous league. It's got to be beaconed as one of the, the best leagues in the, in the province, if not the country, for this age group. Fantastic. Well, Looking forward uh, to the stamps on Saturday too. They're going to be another watching yeah. the film. They're going to be tough again. So we'll have to see if we can. Uh, I know Hardy won't take Coach Hardy won't take it easy on us, and so we're going to have to see what we have to do to compete. Right. You, you can't get those short kicks on us. Uh, 
<laughs> we'll see if he tries. Oh, he will. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, uh, Coach Wilson. It's great to have you on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to watching uh, some great action with uh, with the Wildcats uh, this Saturday against against the Stampeders. Tough opponent. Yes. Um, but for the rest of the year, uh, good luck to you and your team, yeah. Coach. Yeah. Thanks a lot, James. Have a great day. The CBFA podcast is brought to you by longtime players of the game sponsor, Wolf Cadillac Calgary. Check out their selection of new and used vehicles online at www.wolfcadillaccalgary.com or in person at 1720 Barlow Trail Southwest. And game day wouldn't be the same if not for Superfan Snacks. They're located near the plaza area of Shouldice Park. Superfan Snacks proudly supports minor football at every level. Find them on Facebook. Thank you for listening.